You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Real Presence Live. You're listening across the Real Presence Radio Network. My name is Nathan Sather, joining you here from the Fargo studio and obviously Fargo, North Dakota. Uh, we just had Glenn Gower on the last segment, and I gave out that information really quickly at the end, so I just want to take a quick moment and mention it again for those of you listening through the break. It's missionblueprint.org was the website. Their uh, men's conference coming up is at the Newman Center at South Dakota State University on the campus there in Brookings on March 25th and 26th. And if you want that again, you can always go back to the um, RPR website and search for the podcast for this um, segment when the um, wonderful people in the background that do all the hard work here and producing and whatnot, uh, we'll put that up and you can get that there as well. But in this particular segment, I'm very honored and to be joined uh, by one of our excellent bishops here in our listening area. So for those of you listening, especially in the Diocese of Duluth, a very special treat for you, but for all of us as well. We have Bishop Daniel Felton, who is the bishop from the Diocese of Duluth. Your Excellency, welcome to Real Presence Live. Nathan, it's, it's wonderful to join you today. Uh, we have beautiful sunshine here in the Diocese of Duluth. Uh, is that the echoing itself in Fargo? Uh, it is very good here. We are blessed, Your Excellency. Wonderful, wonderful. It's a great way to uh, be able to celebrate, at least outside in the beauty and its sunshine, uh, the great day of feasting today for Mardi Gras. Yeah, and, and uh, I've just strange, weird luck. I've actually worked with quite a few people who are from the Duluth area. I'm not exactly sure. I feel like the Lord's calling me to go visit or something. I shouldn't work with this many people from Duluth, but how long have you been there in Duluth, Your Excellency? So and- I've been here uh, in Duluth since May 20th, and so I'm a priest of the Diocese of Green Bay for 40 years. Oh. Uh, my family is still uh, in the Green Bay area, um, and then one day I got a phone call, and <laughs> Lo and behold, uh, the Holy Spirit had other things in mind, and so I've been here uh, just a little over nine months, and it has been a great experience and a wonderful opportunity. Lots of traveling. Yeah, well, that's that's kind of interesting. My wife, she doesn't want me to do this, but she thinks that I should retire someday and be a permanent volunteer there and champion at the Our Lady of Good Help oh, yeah. Shrine. Oh, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I powerful, might... uh, powerful things happen there, and just... Uh, uh, more and more uh, pilgrims, you know, that are going there, and they're trying to be able to uh, accommodate that. So also the uh, National Shrine of St. Joseph is in that same area as well. No, I'm not, I'm not familiar with that. Yeah, so that is uh, located at St. Norbert College uh, in De Pere, Wisconsin, which is right adjacent to Green Bay. So anybody traveling uh, to that area uh, has the opportunity to go to Champion and to our lady and uh, see her there and then also to stop uh, at the national shrine of saint joseph oh well yeah and i've I've been there twice so i guess that means now we have to go for a third time so we can see this saint joseph right shrine. right, right. <laughs> now and, uh, yeah so I, I would uh welcome the opportunity for for our listeners to do that it's a it's a great uh gift to have you know in the midwest and in our area um, and so just to take advantage of a gift that's sometimes present, and we don't always take the time to open it. Now, I, I appreciate you telling us a little bit about yourself and your time there um, and, and talking a little bit about Champion with me since that's your, your home area. Um, but I really want to get into a little bit about Lent, and, and you specifically mentioned Mardi Gras. 
Your Excellency, I've always had a problem since I really reverted and became a real intentional disciple of Jesus about Mardi Gras. The idea of, hey, let's take this day before Lent to, you know, feast and celebrate, um, especially considering the fact that the word Mardi Gras is literally a French term that means Fat Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> um, yep. That it, 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 it's hard for me to understand how that's something that we should do when we should be more preparing ourselves to enter into the sacred time of Lent. And a just personal struggle I've always had in my life. If you could help me out trying sure, to understand sure. that better, I, I would be greatly blessed, Your Excellency. Yeah, you know, and I think a lot of us, you know, ask that question, or at least it seems to be such a, a huge adjustment between uh, Mardi Gras and then Ash Wednesday, moving from feasting into, you know, a fasting that's very special on that day and throughout Lent. You know, and the challenge for all of us is, you know, we're so self-centered that we often think, you know, everything revolves around us. (laughs) And so even when it comes to Mardi Gras, you know, or even the season of Lent, you know, we're constantly saying, well, what am I going to do for God? What am I going to do for God? When in fact, you know, Mardi Gras and Lent is an opportunity for to say, can I be open to what God wants to do for me and in and through me? So Fat Tuesday is a day that, you know, celebrates lavishness and abundance and bounty, but it's not our lavishness, it's not our bounty, it's not our goodness. That's the lavishness of God's love. That is the abundance of God's goodness. That is the uh, bounty of God's mercy. That before we can enter into a Lenten season properly, we have to be filled to the brim with God's love, with God's goodness, and with God's mercy. So that when we're filled to the brim with that, and we feast on that, and we acknowledge that, that God is never, never uh, puny. Uh, God doesn't know the song, the Itsy Bitsy Spider. Itsy Bitsy is not part of God's vocabulary. <laughs> I like that. That only then, you know, filled to the brim with that love, filled to the brim with that goodness, filled to the brim. Um, on a great day of, uh, day of fasting of God's mercy, only then can we properly enter into, you know, what Lent is all about. And ultimately, Lent isn't about us. It's all about what God wants to do with us, in us, and through us. So if my family and I have a amazing steak dinner or what night with the kids tonight to celebrate those things that you just mentioned, I totally understand that. But I still shouldn't have like, cupcakes all day long like my daughter asked me to do this morning. <laughs> Correct? Oh, no. Today is a day for cupcakes with frosting on top, chocolate syrup over the top of that, <laughs> alongside of ice cream, pecan pie. So, so unless we understand the feasting of God, we don't properly understand the almsgiving, fasting, and prayer during the season of Lent. So, so if I'm feasting and I begin to realize the lavishness of God's love, for instance, for me as a son or daughter of God, then as I enter into the Lenten season filled to the brim with God's lavish love and believing in that, God can use me during the season of Lenten and my almsgiving to be able to do even extra, extraordinary things in taking that lavish love that is coming to me and through me and sharing that lavish love with others, especially... Um, with those who are in need of that love or those who think they're no longer lovable by God. You know, if, if I'm filled to the brim with the abundance of God's goodness, then in my prayer, I can be praying that goodness uh, into situations that are very difficult. And, you know, if I'm filled to the brim with God's mercy, then I can fast, uh, 
confidence of God's mercy, but maybe fast from resentment and from anger and from bad habits and, you know, all those kinds of things, because I believe in the mercy of God, the plenitude of God's mercy. So, so by celebrating the feasting of Fat Tuesday, we are not saying something about ourselves. We are embodying our deepest belief about God and that God's life, God's love, God's hope, God's mercy, all that God is, is never itsy bitsy. Well, I think what I'm going to do, Your Excellency, is I'm going to go back when those wonderful people in the back here at Real Presence Radio put up the podcast, and I'm going to play that for my children, because I'm not going to be able to say it nearly as good as you just did. And then I think there's going to be a Dairy Queen trip or something in the uh, in the plan for the Sather family this evening. Yeah, so you you are going to be their favorite bishop now, Bishop Feldman. Yeah, yeah. So, so there's a, an old ancient prayer that goes with Lent, and there's a sentence in it that I just love. It's, it's, uh, it says, On Mardi Gras, may your stews and soups both be so thick that the ladle stands in the bowl. And it's just, again, speaking about that plentitude, that bounty, and that lavishness, not of us, uh, but of God's love and God's goodness and God's mercy. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful. Um, so as, as we move from Fat Tuesday then into Ash Wednesday and the beginning of Lent, you know, you've mentioned quite a few times already the almsgiving and the prayer. You mentioned that if we don't get Fat Tuesday right, we don't get Lent right. Well, I guess I'm, I'm probably not getting those, both of those right. So can you give me a little bit of insight and guidance on how I can best enter into those, those things of almsgiving and prayer during Lent and, and any other right. guidance you'd have for me during um, all sure. of our the Latin journeys of all of us in our listening area. Sure. You know, again, I think in our humans so much is when we approach Lent, it's like, what am I going to do for God? And so then we make out lists. Well, I'm going to give up chocolate. Um, I'm going to make my bed in the morning. You know, I'm going to try to be more patient with my spouse. I, I, I. And again, Lent is not about I, I, I. Lent is about God, God, God. And so another way to ask the question is not what am I going to do for God for Lent, but can I be open to what God wants to do in and through me during Lent? And, and then it's not up to me. It's up to God to discern that and to surrender and to trust that and then to be and do what God asks me to do. Um, and that's two different ways to approach Lent. One is centered in me and what I'm going to do for God. The other is centered in God and what God is going to do in and through me. So when it comes to almsgiving, as we already talked about, so almsgiving can be things that we're going to do extra. So I am going to, um, like I said, I'm going to try to be extra patient with my children. Um, and that's a good thing in and of itself. But there may be things that God wants to do with your almsgiving and the lavishness of his love and goodness that has not so much what you're going to do, but what he's going to do through you. That might be reaching out to someone on the margins, on the fringe, you know, whatever the case might be. So it's just a different way of thinking about Lent and maybe what we be and do in Lent, not centered in ourselves, but in God. Oh, that's beautiful, Bishop. And just absolutely nailed it out of the park. Um, we're coming up on our mid-segment uh, break, so please come back and join us. You'll get more with the wonderful Bishop Daniel Felton of the Diocese Duluth on the other side of this break. You're listening to Real Presence uh, live across the Real Presence radio network. 
This is Real Presence Live, where the focus is not on the evil around us, but on conversion and mercy through the good news that is always good. We're local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Hi, this is Dr. Ryan Sappo from Lumen Vision in Fargo. Lumen Vision offers vision therapy services for children and adults. Symptoms of poor reading comprehension, headaches, tired eyes, and poor coordination can be indicators of eye movement conditions which affect reading and learning. Eye movement disorders are often undetected by school vision screenings and regular eye exams. For more information about how vision therapy can help treat these conditions, our website is www.lumen.vision. Hello, I'm Father James Kubicki, the director of the St. Francis Mission on the Rosebud Reservation in the Rapid City Diocese. And I'd like to invite all of you who are listening to please, please pray for your priests, whether it's your pastor or priests in your diocese, priests who are suffering, priests who are struggling. You know, there's a line about people who work in law enforcement, and they're called a thin blue line. You could also say there is a thin black line, that priests stand between the good and evil, the battle between good and evil in our world. And so we have a target on each of our backs. The devil doesn't want us to succeed in our work of reconciliation and bringing the love of God into the world. And so he especially targets us with his temptations. And that's why we need your help to insulate us, to protect us, to help us persevere in our vocations. S.J. Machine, proudly named after and dedicated to St. Joseph, provides quality machining and induction heat treating to a variety of industries. Just as St. Joseph worked diligently to meet his family's needs, S.J. Machine strives to understand and meet your production needs. Prototype to production, working together toward success. S.J. Machine can be reached at 701-347-0155 and are a proud supporter of the Real Presence Radio Network. This is Real Presence Live on the RPR Network, bringing you stories of faith and hope through local hosts and guests from across the Upper Midwest. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Real Presence Live. You're listening across the Real Presence Radio Network. Uh, We're being joined in this segment by the Bishop of the Diocese of Duluth, Bishop Daniel Felton, and we've spoken a little bit about him helping me try to get over my, I don't even know what you'd want to call it, but my, my... Concern about how I've been celebrating Fat Tuesday and gave us some wonderful guidance, um, as our bishops are always so so good at doing and helping us and being our 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 Christ in our own diocese and helping us to understand the faith better. Um, but what I would like to get back with uh, Bishop Felton and the beginning of of this part of the segment is practically speaking tomorrow. If you're like me, you're a Catholic sitting in the pew on Sunday, and one of the announcements was, this is what the Mass schedule for Ash Wednesday would be, and you quickly glance over at your wife like, oh my goodness, we're already at Ash Wednesday? (laughs) So it kind of hit me a little bit off guard, but what practical real-life things should our listening audience do when they realize, oh, tomorrow is Ash Wednesday, what are some things I should be doing tomorrow specifically to start Lent? You know, I think that's not just the case uh, for you, Nathan, and, you know, kind of looking over at your wife, but I think that's also true for all of us, including bishops. It's just like, oh, my goodness, you know, all of a sudden, Ash Wednesday and Lent is here. For some reason, it always kind of sneaks up on us, and I'm not sure why. Maybe we're just being really attentive to coming out of Christmas and that great uh, 
holy day and feasting time and kind of into the winter season. But, you know, uh, Ash Wednesday is just a wonderful day for us to kind of recenter ourselves. So after we have done the feasting, um, after we have opened ourselves up to, on a Fat Tuesday, come to a deeper understanding of God's lav- lavish love, of God's abundant goodness, His bountiful mercy, then filled to the brim with that love and goodness and mercy, um, we go into a sacred period and time of saying, how will God use us then during the 40 days of Lent so that others may come to a deeper understanding of God's lavish love and God's abundant goodness and God's bountiful mercy. So specifically on Ash Wednesday, we are a people of fasting um, as we refrain and fast. Now, fasting can have at least three meanings for us. Um, Fasting is often giving up things Um, that are not good for us. So we may need to fast during Lent from our anger, from our resentment, from our envy, from grievances that we've held against other people, that these are just not healthy things for us. And so we pray the Spirit that leads us and guides us, which is God's Spirit, during the season of Lent through our fasting. We can give up things which are not in alignment with God's grace for us. Um, Fasting can also be to reappreciate something. And so by giving up something that I really like, which isn't a bad thing, but maybe becomes a thing that I just take for granted. And so by giving it up, it makes me reappreciate that. And then the fastings that we do as we get closer to Easter would be more like a bride or a groom, or a bride or a groom who are so excited uh, for their wedding day that they can't even eat, that they kind of fast. And so as we get to our later fastings uh, towards the end of Lent, Um, That's kind of the fasting that we take on. So fasting in our Catholic tradition has a special place um, for those three reasons. So tomorrow, when we fast, you know, we would be thinking of what are the things in my life that are not in alignment with God's grace, that maybe I need to fast from that to become a habit during the 40 days of Lent to change a bad habit, or it can make me reappreciate things that I'm kind of taking for granted, and then later on it'll be an opportunity to be excited. And then we're also asked to abstain from meat. Part of that is just to jog us out of the patterns that we get ourselves into in life. You know, we get in such deep ruts, and we kind of keep doing what we're doing, even though sometimes that can be bad or good. And so Ash Wednesday is just kind of meant to shake us up a little bit and to say, hey, we're in a season that's a particularly holy season, a time that's different from all other times. And so by abstaining from meat, by fasting on that particular day, being a person of prayer, getting the ashes on my forehead to mark me as not only a sinner, but one who is called to the redemption of God's grace, these are all ways to kind of jolt us and to prepare us to enter into the 40 days of Lent of almsgiving, fasting, and prayer. And and there's something that Pope Francis has asked specifically. Yes, specifically to this particular Ash Wednesday. Um, and that is, he has asked for a, a world day of fasting and prayer for peace um, in the Ukraine. And so how does that all work? Well, as we're fasting tomorrow, and as we're remembering things that we want to fast from that may not be good for us, those can be the divisions, the prejudices, those can be the hatreds that we carry not only in our personal lives, but even amongst people and nations. Um, as we're looking for prayer 
to recognize, reconcile us and to unite us, that we would be um, have a sense of solidarity in our prayer for the people of the Ukraine, but also the people of Russia. You know, it, it, we don't pray for just particular peoples. We pray for all peoples. And uh, then on a day of almsgiving, that we would do something special to just make us know and to feel the impact of what it must be like for families on Ash Wednesday who are going underground to get their ashes from priests who have been displaced, a half a million people, no longer in their homes in a one-week time, and especially for the uh, pictures of children that we have seen in the trauma uh, of being in bombed areas and just experiencing uh, something as horrid as a war you know, can be. So uh, Pope Francis has asked all of us to open ourselves up to what God wants to do in and through us, not what we're going to do for God, but what God wants to do in and through us, that we might become a people of uh, peace and justice through our almsgiving, fasting, and prayer tomorrow especially, but preparing us then for the whole season of Lent to be and to do that. Beautiful, beautiful. And for myself, Your Excellency, my favorite Mass of the year is the Easter Vigil Mass. I just love all the readings. I love watching the people who came into the church that year. And that kind of is the heart, if you will, of the Easter Triduum. And that itself is the heart of the Mass and the Paschal Mystery. Like, it's all all that that holy and sacred time of the year. Can you speak a little bit to our listeners about just the beauty of of those realities? Well, any time that we celebrate the Holy Mass or we celebrate the Eucharist, it really is the embodiment of Easter. Um, it's a sacrifice that acknowledges, you know, dying and death on a cross, but it also is an experience that is given to us as a precious gift to also to know new life and resurrection. That's why we always are a people of hope, not by our doing, but what the Lord revealed to us on the cross. And so Lent, kind of that cross is at the forefront of Lent, including the ashes that we'll receive on our forehead tomorrow. And the cross then stands for us, you know, as that symbol of dying and rising. And so often when I look at the cross during Lent, um, or as I bear those ashes on my forehead tomorrow, along with everyone else, it just, you know, invites me to ponder what, what must I die to in my life? Um, that's preventing me from surrendering and giving my whole self to Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And so what's holding me back? Um, That great gospel reading yesterday of the young man who comes to Jesus, and he's doing all the things that he should be doing, and then the Lord knows him and says to him, oh, by the way, there's one more thing, and that is you need to go sell all your possessions. And he gets very sad, and he turns around and walks away. Well, each one of us have that one thing that we are so attached to that we're not willing to give that up um, or become detached from it to give ourselves totally to Jesus. So what is that in your life and in my life, and then how do we die to that? But the death that we experience and the dying um, left on its own would be, you know, despair. Um, But we're not a people of despair, because in dying to that, and many times to ourselves, as the Scriptures invite us to die to ourselves, that is to have new life and resurrection in Jesus Christ, which is beyond our wildest imaginings. So it's just so simple. All the readings during Lent, all the symbols during Lent, you know, everything that we're about, it's just simply pondering 
what is it that we need to die to so that in Jesus Christ as our Lord and the one who saves us from ourselves as our Savior can lift us up to new life and resurrection. Mm, again, very, very beautiful. Um, I'm very curious. Uh, my wife and I have thought about possibly doing more of, a, of an intentional celebration for the Annunciation, which is March uh, 25th. And usually that does fall within the Lenten season, so it, it makes sense in that regard. But other than Easter, correct me if I'm wrong, Your Excellency, there really isn't a higher celebration in the Church than the Annunciation, where literally Christ is incarnated. And I feel like we've put way more emphasis on Christmas and, and presents and whatnot than the actual celebration of the Annunciation. Do you have any guidance for us on trying to live out a more authentic Annunciation celebration during the time of Lent? Yeah, so I think that there are, in the journey of Lent, there are stations along the way that encourage us um, and kind of push us forward. Uh, You know, St. Patrick's Day, even more so, St. Joseph, the Feast of St. Joseph in March. You know, and there can also be the element of the Annunciation. So these are are like stops along the way in the journey of Lent that refocus us in case we kind of got off track or off the journey. And obviously, anytime we celebrate the Annunciation and the announcement that God is going to become one like us, it's at the heart and core of all that we are about in our major feasts of Christmas and Easter. And so, you know, treat those, like the Feast of the Annunciation, seriously to make sure that we stay on track in terms of everything that we're preparing ourselves for, even Mary in the Annunciation dies to herself so that she may say yes to the angel, but the angel really representing the invitation of God himself, so that we would find new life and resurrection in her son, Jesus Christ. So Beautiful. Yeah. yeah and we're, we're about ready to go to a break, um, but could we get your blessing? Sure. And so, Lord Jesus, as we gather ourselves together on this feast of Mardi Gras, And as we bask in the lavishness of your love, the abundance of your goodness, and the bounty of your mercy, may you bless us, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Excellency. Take care. I appreciate the time with you, Nathan. Bye. Bye. 